0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear family, on on this day, when we remember the first Pentecost, today's gospel is so providential, for it most certainly instructs us in three fundamental lessons. Firstly, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, saying this to the bishops, the apostles, the first bishops, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And you know what Jesus meant. We know what Jesus meant when he said, so I send you, because Jesus said what he meant specifically just before he ascended into heaven. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, including John chapter 6, So firstly, Jesus sent them not just, not only just to baptize, but then to teach the world all that he had commanded them. Secondly, a second fundamental lesson is that Jesus then breathed the Holy Spirit upon them. And when Pentecost came, the fullness of the Holy Spirit came upon them like tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit enkindled in them the fire of love, a love divine that would inspire them to die for the mission upon which he sent them, a fire that infused them with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts that inspired and enabled them to go out and baptize and preach the truth, no matter what, unto martyrdom, red or white. Thirdly, a third fundamental lesson from today's gospel is that at that moment when Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit upon them, Jesus instituted the sacrament of confession, his gift, of reconciliation to all who would humble themselves and repent and return to a state of grace. The state of grace, which is a prerequisite to entering the gates of heaven. No state of grace, no heaven, period. So in summary, there were three fundamental lessons from our gospel. Firstly, the apostles were commanded to go out and baptize and teach the gospel truth. Don't hang out in lock, behind locked doors in that upper room. Go out there. Secondly, they received the Holy Spirit to enkindle them in, the, in them the divine love of love so great that they were in fact inspired to do what Jesus commanded them to do even unto martyrdom. And thirdly, they were commanded to forgive the sins of the repentant. And yet, here we find ourselves today with the entire globe adrift because for over 50 years now, some, perhaps many, of the shepherds of the church have failed to teach what Jesus commanded. Sometimes, as we see going around the world today, they're teaching the opposite of what Jesus commanded on that day when he appeared to them in the upper room. And now, over the last 14 months, so many shepherds have abandoned Catholics wholesale and denied them the sacramental grace they need. To be in, or return to, a state of grace. And all of us who have been staggered by the failure we see, seemingly everywhere, only can pray, come, Lord Jesus, come and clean your temple again. Dear family, let's get something crystal clear right off the bat. If anyone, if I've had it with anyone who says to me, oh, you have to have respect for the office, like as if we cannot complain about bad management, or in the case of the rampant, fear-demic church lockouts, godless management. Dear family, it's not you or I who are disrespecting the office. The shepherds who locked the people out of the churches and denied access to the sacraments have disrespected their office more than we possibly could. Again, we are not the ones disrespecting the office, they are, and we need not sit idly by while they do. But as always, you don't have to take my word for it. It's not my opinion. For example, we have the great martyr, St. Maximilian Colby, a Franciscan. I'm sure Bishop Callahan knows all about St. Maximilian Colby. The great martyr, St. Maximilian Colby said, and I quote, a superior may, it is true, make a mistake but it is impossible for us to be mistaken in obeying a superior's command. The only exception to this rule is in the case of a superior commanding something that in even the slightest way would contravene God's law. Such a superior would not be conveying God's will. So dear family, given Jesus' command to preach the gospel, to teach the people Everything. Baptize the babies. Hear confessions. Multiply my body and blood and feed my sheep. Given that, to disobey Jesus' command is disrespecting the office. The only people disrespecting the office of bishop over the past 14 months are those who locked the churches and denied sacraments to the faithful. In Illinois, in Washington, in New Jersey, in Texas, except for Bishop Strickland, and across this whole United States, even around the world, they are the ones who have abandoned their sheep and disrespected their office. And the great martyr St. Maximilian Colby said, our duty to obey them ends when they, in even the slightest way, would contravene God's law. Sadly, as you know, few of them, if any, have yet to apologize. And infinitely worse, many have jumped on the injection bandwagon, daring to call it our moral duty to take the experimental injection. The family, their statement from the Bishop of Rome on down is not infallible. You know, as we learned in seminary, in the last 2,000 years, depending on who's doing the counting, infallible statements have been made maybe four to seven times, that's it. Anything else? An opinion. But listen closely to what an infallible statement sounds like. We've pondered this, we've meditated this before. Accordingly, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for the honor of the holy and undivided Trinity, for the glory and adornment of the Virgin Mother of God, for the exaltation of the Catholic faith, and for the furtherance of the Catholic religion. By the authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord, of the blessed apostles, Peter and Paul, and by our own, we declare, pronounce, and define that the doctrine which holds that the most blessed Virgin Mary, in the first instance of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the savior of the human race, was preserved free from all stain of original sin is a doctrine revealed by God and therefore to be believed firmly and constantly by all the faithful. Hence, if anyone shall dare, which God forbid, to think otherwise than as has been defined by us, let him know and understand that he is condemned by his own judgment, that he has suffered shipwreck in the faith, that he has separated from the unity of the church And that, furthermore, by his own action, he incurs the penalties established by law if he should dare to express in words or in writing or by any other outward means the errors he thinks in his heart. That is an infallible statement. It's our moral duty to take an injection into our temples of the Holy Spirit is not an infallible statement. And again, as the great martyr, St. Maximilian Kolbe said, it need not be obeyed. And to threaten any priest or person who chooses not to be part of the experiment with denial of the sacraments, that's not from heaven. That is not Jesus's command. Ironically, I'm told I can't say anything against the injection because I lack medical expertise. But the flip side of the coin is that, well, then they can't say anything either because they lack medical expertise. So why would we obey such a demand to take into our temples of the Holy Spirit an experimental injection? Those who make such demands lose what little credibility they had left after the destruction of our sacred sanctuaries and our sacred liturgies, over 60 years of failure to teach the catechism to the people. The proof is in the pudding. 80% of Catholics no longer believe in the real presence. That's the latest research. What catechism have they not been taught? 20 years of scandal after scandal revealed. After four billion plus dollars in payouts to victims, and the coup de grace after they dared to lock the faithful out of the church and deny them the sacraments. To family, nothing I ever could say could even come close to disrespecting their office as they have disrespected their office. Yet now, I regret to inform you, they want my head on a platter. They want my head now for speaking the truth I apparently have created enemies in the hierarchy, but to paraphrase the great, great Cardinal Burke, when I die, I will stand in judgment before the Lord, not any bishop of the church, nor, as the great Cardinal Burke specifically said, the USCCB. Definitely, family, Jesus warned the apostles and us that if the world hated him, it would hate us just because we are trying to be faithful. In other words, the world will be divided by the truth. There will be we who are faithful, who follow the truth, divided from those who are not faithful and who oppose the truth. It can't be surprised. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, I've come not to bring peace, but the sword. In the Gospel of Luke, it is even more forceful. I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. Do you think that I've come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Dear family, if we understood the Jewish mindset back then, 2000 years ago, you never divided family. That was like anathema, and yet there is Jesus, our Lord, talking about having to divide Family. There it is, dear family division. Jesus came to divide the truth versus the lie, the sheep versus the goats, the few versus the many. And as we know, he will come again. He promised to divide those few sheep from those many goats. So, dear family, you have to ask yourself, why is anyone accusing me of being divisive, like as if that is a bad thing? If we know that the truth divides, exactly as Jesus said it did, and I am speaking the truth, no one's, to me, in in 14 months, no one said I haven't, then why is any good Catholic complaining about me being divisive? Hear that question again, dear family, and then listen to the answer. Why is any good Catholic complaining about me being divisive? And the answer, dear family, is that no good Catholic is complaining. As a matter of fact, good Catholics from around the world have been very, very supportive. And unfortunately, in our cancel culture, if the left whines like they do, like a spoiled brat, often enough, they succeed in canceling so many voices of truth. And now they are whining like if I may say it, the pansy babies that they are, to cancel me. You saw it in the La Crosse Tribune. Allegedly because I'm divisive, as they like to say, or as a bishop has stated to me, I am ineffective. So for the record, dear family, Bishop Callahan has asked me to resign as pastor as of this past Friday, two days ago, because I am divisive and ineffective. In a, well, in, in response, my canon lawyer asked for clarification as to the justification and a chance to review what was in my file that suggested I was so divisive and ineffective. And I say all this only because I'm no expert on canon law, but understand only that while we are contesting. Bishop's request, and we are. He could, in theory, appoint a parish administrator whilst I remain a pastor without duties until the appeal goes through Rome, which could take upwards of a year or more. I speak only on my understanding of what could happen, not what will happen. But if what could happen actually happens, then I truly do not know how much longer I will get to serve you. There's a reason why I'm wearing this vestment. This vestment, which also represents Pentecost, was my very first mass of Thanksgiving on the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul, apostles who were martyred because they spoke the truth. So if this is my last 9.30 a.m. Sunday, what a fitting vestment to wear. So, dear family, for the record, here's how divisive and ineffective I can be. For the record, this year, in the midst of all the shutdowns and limitations on attendance, yet with about 12% of the year to go, we already have matched last year's envelope collection of $212,000. And for the record, this year, in the midst of all the shutdowns and limitations on attendance, and again with about 12% of the year to go, we have more than doubled last year's plate collection. Last year, it was only 24,330. And this year, we already are at 56,305. You may have noticed that we have many visitors who generously and kindly have cont- cont- contributed to the collection. We only can say thank you to every visitor. I mean, not only it's a money issue, but, but also to share in our family worship. Glory be to God, we can be together. And for the record, this year, in the midst of all the shutdowns, due to the incredible generosity of some parishioners, our diocesan annual appeal rebate has gone from just 53,000 my first year here to over 101,000, an increase of almost 48,000. And for the record, this is just staggering. For the record, through my efforts at preaching the truth, somehow, very unintended, The truth has gone viral viral, over the past 11 months. And people all over the globe, as far away as Borneo, have written me over 4,000 letters and cards, more than that in emails, all saying the same thing. We're starving out here. And from that many non-parishioners, I have fundraised more than $230,000 designated for special projects, a staggering sum for 11 months, which actually exceeds our total annual envelope collection. And their special projects have been instrumental in paying for the repairs to these beautiful stained glass windows and replacing the very badly leaking roofs on both the rectory and the school. And it is the foundation of the fund to finally build the enclosed access ramp to the main level of the church so our older folks can come again and a first floor restroom in back. That's a big deal. So dear family, in a time when most churches have been flailing, specifically due to few or nobody allowed in, during a time when most churches have experienced a great decline in donations, our parish at St. James is flourishing. That's all about money, dear family. And that is all well and good, money is kind of necessary to fix our windows in the roof. But nothing demonstrates being an effective shepherd like as I've recently told you, we have had 42 families and 103 people join our parish in the last 16 months. And our average baptisms in each of the last four years has been double the average of what they were over the three years previous to my arrival. Thank you, my dear family of St. James, and thank you, all your visitors. And in fact, thank you, La Crosse Tribune, because your negative press actually made all this possible. As the saying goes, memo to lacrosse Tribune, St. James is laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> what really is at play here, dear family, is that other shepherds are offended because I simply state the fact that they abandoned their sheep in a time of need. As you've heard me say so many times, if, if this alleged virus was allegedly a fraction as dangerous as they said it was, all the more reason to keep our churches open and get you the sacraments so that you stayed in a state of grace, they put your eternal souls at risk. They despise me for speaking that simple truth. We're speaking the truth that Jesus commanded his apostles, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Even though I know the world's gonna hate you, I send you to baptize, to forgive the repentant, and to feed my sheep. By the way, as to that feeding my sheep, I fed my sheep over 60,000 Holy Eucharist in the last 14 months on the tongue. And afterward, watch now, afterward you see, well, you can't see me, my back's turned. Afterward, I wash my fingers into the chalice, which means that I have drunk the germs of 60,000 people. (laughs) But I am unafraid, dear family. I could do it if I was afraid. I'm not afraid. And what is better than that is neither are the 60,000 faithful recipients. We are not afraid. Your family, I've not failed to feed my sheep and bread of life. I don't know how any ordained priest or bishop or cardinal could fail to feed his children. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. But I do know this, I am not the divisive one. I am not the ineffective one. I am not the one disrespecting my office. They have done a great job being divisive. They have done a great job of being ineffective. And they have done a great job of disrespecting their office all by themselves without any help from me. And that is why they despise me, because that is the truth, and the truth hurts. So dear family, if I had any words to give you as a gift, perhaps a parting gift, on this Pentecost, those words are thank you. It has been my privilege to serve you for the past four years. My preference would be to serve you for at least another eight years, as I'm supposed to do. But some things are beyond my control, like the rigged election in 2020, for example. (laughs) The failure to stand up against the godless government over the past 14 months or giving Holy Eucharist to godless politicians, those things are beyond my control. So in the face of all the evil that confronts us, let us nevertheless keep the faith no matter what, because we know the crown of righteousness awaits only those who do. God bless you always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I was going to tell you to stand anyway.